You found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider helping us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. early on in the season, it seemed rather clear to me, and I'm sure to you as well, that uh, after this season was over, the guy who would be at the top of the list of people to interview post-season would be Laird Niven. Considering all that would happen with the government involvement and the archaeological stuff and things that happened with the archaeologists, there were a lot of questions unanswered. And uh, so I reached out to Laird Niven the day after the season ended and uh, scheduled an interview with him. He was very generous with his time. Uh, and that's what you're about to hear right now is my interview with Laird Niven. Now, what I want to just tell you is it does cut off short at the end. I had asked my last question. He was answering that last question. He pretty much all but answered it. Uh, however, uh, his computer completely died on him. And uh, so it just sort of everything cut out uh, rather than get him back on and do it all over again. You'll hear the the answer is there to the final question, but it is kind of an abrupt ending. So I'll pop back on and talk about that at the end. So just be prepared for that. Uh, we cover a lot of ground. Like I said, he was very generous with his time um, and very generous with his answers. And I think you're going to find this very intriguing. Before we go, take a break and get to that. Just want to remind you, if you have any comments or questions, including comments or questions about the interview you're about to hear, you can send them to me, diggingoakisland at gmail.com. Just keep in mind, um, if you do do that um, or you send me a message on uh, social media, I'm going to answer it here on the podcast unless you tell me otherwise. Uh, speaking of social media, follow the show, Facebook and Twitter. Just go in at Digging Oak Island, uh, and uh, I'll just get all the uh, <laughs> plugs out of the way here. Uh, don't forget, if you want to help out the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon. If you think the show's worth five bucks a month to you, then head over there and consider helping us out. Patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island. And uh, if, that, if you want to help us out but not with uh, donations, uh, the best way to do that is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Thanks to everybody who's done that. So let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, it'll be my discussion with Laird Niffin. And joining me now, I know you guys are all excited about this, is uh, archaeologist Laird Niven, who we've spoken to before. Thank you first so much for joining us here today, Laird. I really appreciate taking out the time to do this. My my pleasure, David. Now, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that are based on like what we just saw in the previous season and right. some of the things that are happening now. But before we do that, for any new... Um, I think it's important to sort of lay the groundwork for anybody new to the show or new to the podcast. Can you explain just how you got to Oak Island uh, and what your role is there? Uh, a lot of people kind of view you as a, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term, a cast member on a television show. But I think it's important to sort of remind everybody that uh, your job's a little more complex than that. Yeah. So <clears throat> we have a, 
we have a permitting system in, in the province for that governs archaeology. Um, and Oak Island was an exception. There was the Oak Island Act, which uh, really didn't have any archaeological oversight. So 12 or so years ago, just before the brothers took over, um, that act changed. And within, so the new regulations required an archaeologist to make an assessment of the island. So I first became involved with uh, Dan Blankenship. Dan called me, well, actually Dan engaged the company I was working for to do uh, what we call an archaeological assessment of his properties on the island. Uh, which I did. And then the next year, Fred Nolan called me and I met Fred Nolan on the island and walked to his place because he wasn't allowed to walk <laughs> through Dan's property. Right. Um, right. And, and did the archaeological assessment for, for him. And then when the show started up, they called me um, because I was the name that Dan, no, Dan and Fred were still around. I was the name that was associated with Oak Island. So basically, when the province required archaeological oversight, uh, stricter archaeological oversight, uh, I get a call from the producers of the show, and that's how I got on. So you work for the province? No, I work for, I work for myself. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm getting a low power. I'm not sure why that is. It's plugged in. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I have my own company. So I get paid okay. by the I get paid by the production company. Okay, but you're required to be there by law now, and this is part of that Oak Island Act. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Except for a very small section of the money pit. Right, and we're going to get to that in a second because yeah. I think this part is what everybody's confused about, right? Everybody's yeah. confused about what happened here and all this, and I and I don't and and I'll I'll say it right up front. I don't think the show did a fabulous job in kind of describing these things. Um, so then now we have you here to uh, hopefully yeah. uh, clear that up. But before I do that, um, the first thing that almost every listener wanted me to ask uh, <laughs> and, uh, is. How are you? You looked a little stressed out during some of this. Uh, you know, are you still going to be there on Oak Island? The questions like that. I mean, this seemed stressful. At least it was it, it was, was broadcast that way. And it certainly seemed that it must have been. Oh, ironically, I don't think they showed how stressful that That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> right, right, right. I worked um, the whole winter before the previous season. Um trying basically to save the show not basically there were two of us and we were working hard and unpaid to save the show um and it wasn't until may that we got confirmation that we'd be able to proceed under pretty strict guidelines from the province but we did save the show Okay. See now that is that was absolutely not portrayed to no. us. No. So as best you can, <laughs> can you try to fill in some of those blanks for us? Well, I don't know the details. They haven't really been broadcast to me. There, there was a problem. There were problems from the previous year. Um, which caused the province to 
And the province gets a lot of calls from people because they watch the show and they assume <laughs> that everything they see in the show is in real life. It has happened. And the province gets phone calls. So they've taken a, a, an extreme interest in what we're doing on the island. So they decided to control more of what we were doing. So they created a new permit. In Nova Scotia, we have an A, B, and C permit. Uh, and they created a whole new permit just for Oak Island called it Category E. Um, they call it a blanket permit. Um, it was supposed to make life easier for us. It, it didn't. Um, but we've been in negotiations with the province. Um, they've made a fair number of concessions. And I think this year the permit's going to work um, as it was meant to work. It's not going to impede us. It's going to allow us to make decisions in the field and then just report back to the province. So are you, you're not referring specifically to the shutdown stuff that we heard about, the Mi'kmaq? No, pot- no, no, no. That, was, that, was, that would have happened because we did our job, right? It was um, Billy was working in the, in the southeast corner of the swamp. Um, we were looking for a rock feature. He came up upon some rocks. Uh, we stopped Billy and started working by hand. And that's where we found it was more than pottery. Um, that's where we found the artifacts and, uh, and that's where we stopped and reported them. And that's how that whole thing began. So did this occur after, so, so first you're having a separate permit brought in, there's all other governmental stuff happening and then this gets thrown in there too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because what we were getting and, and I'll be the first one and I've said to people, I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. What we were getting was uh, at least the impression I got from the show was you found this stuff. They said you can't dig in that area of the swamp. And then everybody blew their stacks because right. they couldn't do that area of the swamp. And they were saying all these things about how, oh, we can't dig. We're doing the right thing and we can't do this. And it didn't seem like any of that really made any sense because it didn't really add up. It, they seemed to say you can't dig in that little area until something some, some right. something else happens. But yet we're just like belly aching about it. And that other stuff you're talking about never was brought up to our attention. No, no. I mean, Marty, Marty's concern is, is that there's kind of a misconception because there was a 120-foot boundary put around. We found two sites around both sites. That wasn't mentioned either. No, I know. <laughs> There's another one. We found a site on the north end of the swamp and a site in the very south end of the swamp. Um, and what Marty saw was that he saw the land being taken away from him permanently as a landowner, which isn't true. You can actually go, an archaeologist can go excavate the land uh, get it cleared and he can, he, he can, you know, get possession back kind of thing, even though it'll cost money. Um, yeah. So that's, that was the kind of perception they had. Um, yeah. the province, we reported it to the province. Um, we wanted to do a little bit more work and they said, no, not until the Mi'kmaq come and take a look. And the Mi'kmaq have, concerns about how they were being portrayed on the show even though there wasn't much of that so right now we're that's that's still we're still negotiating we're still working with the Mi'kmaq to get everything to go forward well everybody besides those involved in the show 
Uh, the, the, well, I should say everybody besides Rick and Mar- or Marty Lagina, yeah. even you in this, were portrayed as people who were trying to, uh, I don't know, the government stepping in and stopping us from being able to work the way we wanted to work. I mean, if that's what the Mi'kmaq were talking about, that was absolutely true. <laughs> they were. <laughs> I mean, they. I don't know if they specifically said that name, but they were talking. They lumped them in with the yeah. what was the community culture heritage and yeah. and that group too. So, can you explain a little bit about that group, the community, uh, the uh, the uh, was the cultural and heritage? It's and, actually. Uh, it's now called Community Culture Tourism and Heritage. Right. Um, there was a T in there, and I couldn't remember what the T was for. <laughs> yeah, so they're the regulator. They're who – so I have to work under permit. I apply to them for the permit, and then I have to – all the artifacts go to them. Uh, the final report and everything goes to them. So they're the, they're the permitting agency. Um, so they, over, they have oversight for all the archaeology in Nova Scotia. Okay, do you, my, uh, you, can, you don't have to answer this if you don't yep. want to. My impression during all of this was that the nature of the restrictions caused by this particular find mm-hmm. was grossly exaggerated by the show. They made it sound as if, uh, you know, they could basically dig nowhere but straight down in the money pit, so they shut everything down. Right. See, their con- the concern was that if we did more archaeology in another place and found more stuff, they'd be losing more and more of their lands. Um, no, they, they, we had two small sites. What we had hoped to do was do more work to delineate them, to show how big the sites were. So we'd make the, the restrictions even narrower. Right. Um, but we just, we were never allowed to proceed, uh, in that way. I mean, things, if this wasn't a TV show, uh, I'm thinking this work would have just proceeded. So but, uh, yeah, we're paying the price for, 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 uh, being a popular TV show. So the, the, the thing that kind of sticks out to my mind as you're talking is you, you said before, you know, if you're, if you want to, uh, like you said, like you just mentioned there, if you want to narrow the restrictions, if you want to get your land back, one of the ways yeah. you do it is by getting archaeologists to do this work and then move on from it. Yeah. Uh, but instead, we seem to throw the archaeologists off the island all yeah. but you. Oh. So, so, so I don't see the connection. I mean, how can you get? How can they get past this? How could the team in the show get past this restriction without the work of you and the other archaeologists? Well, I mean, full disclosure, now that the season's over, nobody got fired. Right, right. but that's what they made it look like. They yeah. kind of walked out and said, all right, everybody's gone now. We don't need no, you. No, Miriam, Miriam and Liz were leaving anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, was, I, have, I don't watch the show, so I was a little shocked to hear that. And I had to respond to a few people who were outraged that the archaeologists got fired. That's the way they made it look. They yeah. did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I understand they need drama. See, you, I think we've probably said it before. You've got... Yes. Our work going on and then you've got the show going on and then they have a job to do. Right. And so we're kind of caught in the middle. 
of that. So, so when you guys are working on these spaces, and we're going to get to what you found and stuff there in a second, but when you guys are working in these spaces, mm-hmm. you're working for days and weeks at a time going through this, and you're not being, are you being followed by cameras throughout that entire process, or you call them in when it's a time to get, I mean, because it seems like such um, a painstaking process, the archaeologist, as opposed to taking a scoop full of, uh, of an excavator and yeah. sifting, you know, it just seems like a different process. Well, a couple of years ago, when when Liz and I were working on the ball site, um, yeah, we didn't have cameras. They would come in. They would do a check in every once in a That's while. But we, we could we could happily happily dig away. Uh, the swamp's higher profile, and Rick's there. If Rick's there, cameras will be there. Um, so we had the southeast corner of the swamp being worked on, and, and cameras, but. We had Helen and Liz working in another part of the swamp uh, with basically no cameras. So for the most part, in the swamp, we get filmed. So would you be able to tell us what exactly it was you found if it's not just a piece of pottery? Because that's kind of what it showed We found it's the typical typical stone tools that you'd find for a site. We think... We're not sure what the Mi'kmaq were doing there. They were obviously there for the swamp or whatever form the swamp took 600 years ago. Um, we know we found things called hide scrapers. So they could have been, they could have been driving deer into the swamp uh, and then killing them there and processing the hides. Okay. Um, but exactly because it was so limited. Our time was so limited. You and we weren't that. Finish the, the excavations, so we don't know yet. I'm not sure you can answer this, but what did the swamp look like 600 years ago? And is 600 to 700 years ago the time frame that you guys were looking at for this, or had did you, were you not even able to? It yeah, I was just talking to Helen about this the other day. It, it the site was what we would call pre-contact, so before Europeans got okay. there. So it's older than 500 years old. And probably it's so it's between 500 years old and 2,400 years old, kind of thing on the limited data that we have. Yeah, that's the- a big that's a big number. Yeah, it's <laughs> a big it's a big. Yeah. So years ago, Laird, we um we heard uh, two or three seasons ago, I think when Aaron Taylor might have been first on the island. Right. Uh, you were looking in what I think was called the eye of the swamp and he pulled out, um, he, uh, came up with a conclusion of it being blue clay and maybe even being a mining site of blue clay. Um, are these things connected to Mi'kmaq? Mm, you know what? Hmm. We're, we're starting to get the uh, technology to actually analyze that blue clay and analyze the Mi'kmaq pottery. Um, that's a very good question. I don't know. I, I don't think that there's been any work um, about what what clay source the Mi'kmaq were using for their pottery. Um, but the blue clay, I mean, it was popular for sure. Yeah. The I think it was Ian Spooner that actually said it was a. I thought it was Ian Spooner that talked about mining clay or. Um, it, it might have been. My memory is not always great yeah, on that stuff. Yeah. Um, but that seemed m- massive. Uh, that's a very, that's actually a really good question. I'm going to bring this up to <laughs> Helen tomorrow and say, maybe they were there for clay. I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. 
you have that. You have uh, a site in the southeast corner. Now you have another site that you're just telling us about now. Um, could we be talking about the mysteries, in quote, of the swamp being actually Mi'kmaq in origin? I don't think so. Um, the second site is a teeny tiny site. Okay. Like, it's just a literally, it's actually really cool. We've never seen it before. We have a rock uh, and evidence of this guy who was sitting there making stone tools on the rock. It's what we call a napping, uh, K-N-A-P-P-I-N-G site. Um, never seen it before. It's a unique in the province as far as I know. Wow. So, very, so it's a very small site. But the, the Mi'kmaq were, were uh, like a subsistence culture. They're, they're not going to expend a whole bunch of energy unless they get something in return, right? So okay. they'll expend energy hunting because they can feed themselves doing that. Um, creating a large stone feature is just not something they would invest time in, or more importantly, energy. So, so we're so the stone road part of it is what we're yeah. talking about. Okay. Um, yeah, stone road is definitely European. Okay, and I, I, I assume we can't decide who European. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're still working on that. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like it changes from time to time, but be that as it may, um, I don't want to get too distracted on that. Um, after the work stopped on the show uh, yeah. in the swamp, they made it look as though uh, all Laird was doing was following the team around with a notebook, uh, taking notes. Uh, I, I, again, since you don't watch the show, I'll, I'll, I'll let you yeah. in on some of this stuff. Um, but what was what was the role change after that? Were there other sites you were working on besides that at the time? Was there other things you were doing when that work stoppage came with the uh, with the pottery find? No, really, just reviewing uh, Gary finds. Um, we were going to do some work on lot 32, but they decided against that. Um, and then the CT scanner arrived and I spent a lot of time okay. trying to learn the CT scanner. Yeah. That's a cool piece of kit. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something, uh, people can just go in and use. Right. Right. Uh, you mentioned yeah. before the, um, the ball site and the last time we talked, that's what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, um, has work stopped on that? Is it going to continue? Uh, cause we were, you know, we ended not se season eight ended with sort of, you know, exploring that site and almost cliffhangers yeah. with that site. And then it's crickets in season nine. Yeah. It, it became a victim of, uh, of, of everything that happened in season nine, um, season 10, if it actually exists, um, <laughs> is, uh, that wasn't very cagey. I got to tell you. <laughs> I, I remember Jack Begley, when people would ask him if there's another season, he would say, I can neither confirm or deny. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, I don't know what the future holds for, but for it's, not, it's not an active site through last season. Last year, no. you weren't working on it in continuation as much as we wanted to. We didn't. Yeah. Um, before I get to the questions from our listeners, um, what is the what does the future look like for the archaeological work? I, meaning, um, is there, without revealing anything from this year, um, 
I, I think, you, you know, one of the final episodes of the show, you were quoted as saying that you, um, you know, they showed you saying that you weren't very, uh, didn't seem to be, you were very optimistic about being able to get through these restrictions and some of these things that are happening. Um, but what does the future actually look like for some of this work, including well, all side for that matter? We've moved on. There is so... We have the TV show, and then we have Oak Island Tours, right? Oak Island Tours, um, it's, that's, it's their CT scanner. Okay. Right? And, and they have a real interest in the ball site. And we have other equipment we're getting this year that will mean that we have the best equipped archaeology lab probably east of Toronto. Wow. Um, and, and certainly that's comparing it to universities. Yes. <laughs> um, certainly in private hands, nobody has what we're going to have, uh, this summer. Um, so they are making a commitment to continue the research, um, and, and broaden the partnerships, uh, on Oak Island. So the, the work isn't, the work isn't, uh, stopping with the show. Okay. Um, just going to a couple of things here that some of the writers, uh, some of the listeners wrote in. The first question was, um, you know, uh, they're all, again, you already addressed this, the concern about the archaeologists and, uh, yeah. you know, the Ball Foundation, that kind of stuff. Are, are we going to get these archaeologists back on the site? I mean, there's the people who were used to, I mean, you already mentioned Helen, but there were others, Liz and Aaron Taylor and Miriam. I mean, are these... are, are yeah. There will be archaeologists back. Okay, that's a good enough answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, somebody also wrote, uh, what is the nature of the... So a friend, of, uh, a guy who listens to us heard on one of the shows that you find something like a thousand um, artifacts a year. That there's... Oh, yeah. Right. So his question is, what are the nature of those artifacts? Since we only see you know, a few things this year, mostly ox shoes, but, yeah. but what, what is the nature of those kind of artifacts when they say things like that? What are they referring to? So if you, so if we were talking, uh, the ball site, right. Uh, the majority of what we get are nails and, uh, ceramics, like everyday ceramics, everyday pottery. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg for us is, is pottery. Which is great because it's 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 something we can date. We can get right. a nice tight date, um, um, and buttons. But Gary, because Gary is it's solely metal that he's after, so he doesn't find he finds things like ox shoes, uh, buttons, right. ox shoes, buttons, coins are probably the majority of what he finds, and then a lot of junk. Right. You know, he gets he gets the, the modern junk that's spread all around right. the island. beer can tabs and things like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 OK, so and the, the other question from the same guy, Steve, he asks, uh, how do they then decide what they conserve for the museum? Meaning, do you go through all of these thousands of things and then decide what to keep and what not to or what becomes? Yeah, the, the province has guidelines. They as do. To what we can keep yeah anything post 1950 they don't want because they have a 
they're keeping all the artifacts. They're running out of space. Okay. Uh, so they want us to decide what we consider significant um, and, uh, and to, to conserve those and keep them. So these artifacts um, that you find, they go to the province, and then if you want to yeah. put them into, you know, what do they call the interpretive center or something, you need to get them back from them? Yeah, I see I'm frozen here, but... Um, no, I hear you fine, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that in, in, in previous years, things would get uh, get cataloged by, by the show, um, sent to the museum, and then uh, returned if return so they would have access like the cross they used to always that's have what access. i'm yeah that kind of stuff is what i'm going yeah. after yeah but now the province just has everything and i'm not sure how much access we'll get because we're gonna have well we have the ct scanner we're gonna have these great testing uh capabilities soon um and we'd really like to get some more artifacts back so we can test them but i'm not i'm not sure someone else is working on that so, so you'll be able to test them before they go to the province Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, okay, all right, good. The beauty, of, the beauty of the CT scanner now is that rather than even, we don't even need to get the dirt off of things. We can put it in the CT scanner and tell what it is, and decide then whether or not it's worth keeping or conserving. Uh, Mark has a great question here about um, what happens with the excavated features. Do you? I mean, some of them, and he's talking specifically about Smith's Cove, some of them get covered back up, get, you know, do you, is it a photographing thing? Is it a digital scanning thing? How do you, how do you, um, you know, preserve that? So create a record for Smith's Cove. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 you know, photograph the crap out of all, everything in there. Uh, We have drones up. Um, That was kind of before I, had the capability or the knowledge of creating a 3d model using a drone. Uh, we attempted to hire a company to, to have an expensive 3d scanner to do the, to scan the whole, um, cove, but they, that, that something was corrupt and, and we didn't ever get that. But now, uh, the ball foundation, for example, yes, we photograph everything. Um, I do, drone-based, uh, a drone-based 3D model. So we record everything in three dimensions. Um, every test pit and, and every level of soil is recorded. So yeah, we, we do as thorough a job as we can. Uh, another uh, patron at JC1166 is how he goes by. Uh, mm-hmm. Does Asks a couple of great questions. First, he mentions a question about Lot 32, which you briefly said before. Yeah. Now, lot thirty-two, if I'm not mistaken, is not owned by the Laginas. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was wondering if there was any interest in lot thirty-two. You kind of mentioned that already. What is the interest over there? Like, what is? So from last year, it's the it's the Gary is starting to find some really interesting artifacts. He found the lead bale seal. That's lot thirty-two. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's the shore of Lot 32, or the bale or bag seal, it's called. And the bag seal, what it's what it's sealing is this large um, uh, bundle of of cloth, right? right, from England. And it's not the like. Why is that on Oak Island? It doesn't make any sense to us because it's a commercial thing. You're dropping off this big. Uh, a, a bundle of cloth 
uh, and it's raw cloth, you know, it's not, it's not clothes. Right. So what, why is it there and, and, and what are they doing with it? So th- there's that. And there are a whole bunch of, we're looking at the LIDAR uh, from last year and there are a whole bunch of things happening between lot like 28 and 32, you know, rock walls and different activity areas um, that I think bear looking at uh, pretty closely to see what's going on. And of course, Samuel Ball is thrown in there a lot, right? 29 and 30, I think. Yeah. How much of these kind of things, like the bale seal, how, how much is this stuff washed up from shipwrecks or something that happened offshore? I mean, is that something that uh, can be determined? I, I guess it can't, but I mean, finding things even like, uh, or, you know, bullets, things like that, or, you know, musket yeah. shot or that kind of stuff. I mean, how much of that stuff is just stuff that ends up kind of floating so the, in a well-traveled area there. Well, so the musket shot, I would, I would say, is, is probably not – didn't float in. It was probably right. there. Um, wood, definitely – the wood from the swamp and especially the swamp road area, it, its provenience is, is, is suspect, right? It, it can obviously float in and get caught in the swamp, um, which is part of the problem as an archaeologist because – we need to find things in context. We need to be able to right. say that, yes, these things were dropped here, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, so a big problem for us is, is, is the wood that uh, – it's an active coast, so the wood gets, gets yeah. smashed up and thrown in there for sure. The bale seal, uh, it would seem unlikely that uh, – the bale seal, I still don't know. It, it – I've only seen one before from, and that was from downtown Halifax. Really? Yeah. Um, and that was a commercial area, right? That's where you sure. expect them to unload these things. And then they open the bale and, and deal with the cloth. Um, I have to, I have to think that the bale seal on Oak Island is, was, it was found where it was dropped. That's, okay. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, I guess, the the thing that kind of goes through my head when talking about the swamp is the road and the and the question that I that I have when we're talking about this is, you know, from the beginning of the season, uh, we were talking about it as a wharf, a stone wharf, potentially, yeah, uh, and now it's a road. Laird, does anything like this exist in other parts of Nova Scotia? I've never seen anything like that. No. Um, and people ask that question a lot, you know, do you find that we have the U-shaped structure and the slipway and then the stone road? Right. Uh, if you went on any old islands and I'm a skeptic, right? Um, you're not finding this, you know? Um, I mean, the stone road isn't, it's not monumental, um, <laughs> but it's really well done. And it's it's a feature that archaeologists love. You know, it's it's an obvious feature, and quite. But it's it, it probably ran under the swamp road. We haven't been. We weren't allowed to uh, because it fell within the boundaries, the restricted boundaries. We weren't allowed to explore uh, further under the road. But it probably went under the road, and then. Um, and it could have led to a wharf. It's it's difficult to say. So this isn't. Uh, it's not like any island that would have had uh, farming on it or something like that. Do they build 
you know, a road like this to get out to a wharf to maybe unload to a ship or something like that. This is not a. No, 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 no. You would build, you'd build that out of wood. I mean, we have, we have an abundance of stones in the province. That's for sure. And certainly on the island. And on the island, right. Yeah. But as Steve Guptill pointed out, uh, the west side of this structure is larger stones. And in his experience, that meant it was the kind of the active side. It was the seaside. So you put larger stones to protect this structure. So it was really engineered. People thought about it before they built it. And that is where Laird's computer died. <laughs> but again, he had answered the questions and we were really, um, I was really wrapping it up because he was so generous with his time there. Um, and I think we probably could have gone all night long with some of the questions we had. He, the other thing about it is he was making my head spin. I mean, it's just, he, he gave us some things there that just were... Um, you know, I, either I wasn't expecting or completely unprepared for, most importantly, <laughs> the beginning where he tells us about how he and someone else who he does not name basically saved the show from what m- sounds like would have been permitting restrictions and government restrictions so big that would have stopped them from digging or would have stopped the show from happening. And he is not referring to what we saw on the show. That's the most fascinating thing about it. Now, I said I would be more than happy to admit when I'm wrong. Well, I can certainly understand Marty and Rick's exasperation if that is what they were dealing with. My issue is, though, Why didn't they tell us that? Instead, the only issues we heard about were these Mi'kmaq issues. So, and that's a, that's a totally different thing. That's not what he's referring to, but Laird, the person made out to look like some sort of, not, I wouldn't say villain, but almost somebody who, um, you know, wasn't on their side here in some of this, the person who had to answer for these things is in fact, the guy who saved the show to use his own words. So what could he be talking about? Well, it sounds like uh, the province and the government of the province of Nova Scotia has been under some pressure by people who live there, you know, phone calls and those kind of things to the government, uh, by people who live there over the work the Laginas have been doing. Now, the first thing you'd have in your mind is what could they possibly be upset about. I mean, this is an island in the middle of the bay. Uh, you know, it's not a parking issue. They're not they're not doing anything. It's private property and a lot of it. There's really not much they can interfere with the average everyday life of somebody who, you know, of a neighbor. But I don't think that's it. Um, I, I mean, I'm only guessing here, but you got to remember as these guys expand the search, just about everyone before them, with a few exceptions, and that one exception being the swamp, but just about everyone before them dug a hole in the money pit trying to find a treasure. But that's not what these guys are doing now. These guys are going into coves. They're going into other lots. They're pulling off a lot of things. They're pulling out lead bag seals. They're pulling out uh, Templar era lead crosses. They're finding ammunition. They're finding stone roads throughout the place. They're finding all of these things. So my guess is that the complaint by the locals, if that's the word to use, is 
If they're finding all of these potentially history-changing things, are these really the guys we want doing that work? I mean, what is this stone road? Why is there a lead bale seal? What is this stuff in the swamp if it isn't just flotsam and jetsam? We need archaeologists. We need people, historical people, people who've done this work before and not treasure hunters with an excavator who are just digging big holes. I, I almost see the point if that is what we're talking about. Uh, and I also see why this would be an issue. And I also would see why you would need somebody like Laird Niven to step in and say, no, 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 I will do this. Now, put that in context with the Mi'kmaq stuff, and you really see where this is all going here. I mean, it's very convenient for Marty to blame this on the government. But you know what, Marty? You came here as a treasure hunter. Um, you know, you guys want to now find a different treasure. You want to find the history of the island. That's great. But are you really qualified? I think that's the question the province is going to ask. And maybe they are. And certainly they can hire people who have done so. So I think that's the most important thing that we heard in this entire conversation. And the other thing that kind of stands out is what that part was at the end. We were talking about the Stone Road. Uh, my questions that I've had for the last couple of weeks are, could we be seeing in the swamp here Mi'kmaq stuff? And he seemed to be a little open to that possibility, but that the Stone Road is absolutely out of place. So I think that uh, this is an interesting thing. The other thing is, again, I'm going to go back to what we're saying before. I have a lot of sympathy for people in government and people in that the, these kind of places who might look at Rick and Marty Lagina and Craig Tester and these guys and their expertise and what they're there to do and say, listen, we've got this stone road. This is unique to Nova Scotia. We don't know what it is. We need people who we need to take this slow and we need people who are qualified to do this. And hopefully Laird can convince him that they are, that he is and his people are the people who can do this. So you kind of see where it's all going here. Anyway, it was an absolutely fascinating conversation. I can't thank him enough for taking the time to come out and uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any comments or questions or anything like that about this show, man, just, just email him in diggingoakisland at gmail.com or go to our social media um, and you can comment, you know, I'm play, putting this up on both of those. You can comment right there. You know, any thoughts you had about this, I'd love to talk about that on the next podcast because boy, this was a heck of a conversation and so much fun to listen to Laird and I could do this for, I mean, I, I told him I could have kept him for hours. Uh, I think he'd actually be willing to do that, but I feel bad for a guy who literally ran home from Oak Island, turned on his computer, and talked to us. I mean, I don't even think the guy had dinner yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying, and all because I just wanted to get it in quickly, right fresh at the end of this season. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, he is such a wonderful guy. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to him again in the near future. But just, again, send those comments either on social media, just go to Facebook or uh, Twitter, write in at Digging Oak Island in your search bar. And you give us a like there, and then you could find the post for this. Or you could certainly just send me an email, diggingoakisland at gmail.com, and then we'll try to answer it on a future podcast. Uh, so I guess that's it for this episode. I did all the plugs at the beginning. Don't need to do that again. So <laughs> thank you guys again for listening. Uh, till we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.